Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here, OutKick 360, the college football kickoff special. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, out here in the beer garden this afternoon, ready for kickoff tomorrow. We had in Knoxville yesterday. Shout out to Old City Sports Bar, Spire Sports Group, and all of the hospitality in Knoxville for Outkick. It was a great trip, solid show, and we'll be back. The And I say we'll be back in what will be a packed Neyland Stadium. The Florida matchup, Chad, at the end of this month. Yep. We were discussing Neyland and the renovations. I'm looking around last night going... If you end up having Tennessee get over the hump against the Gators there, that place is going to be charged up. Well, I was I was thinking uh, with a chance to remain unbeaten. The you know they had the light show at halftime last night yeah. that they can do with the stadium, and I'm thinking the first big we were at a night game last night, but it's Ball State, the first <laughs> big night game. Yeah, you know if it's Florida at night on ESPN, let's say, or when they're hosting a big night game, that is going to be a special atmosphere if Tennessee is rolling along uh, at that point. And I'll say this for Tennessee: watching the offense last night. They were better than I expected in that game. I, I, didn't, agree. I didn't expect them to be up 38 nothing yeah. at halftime. Now, what can we really learn from that? Because Ball State's really bad. Awful. Yeah, and you know they, they, they put up really no resistance in the game. Similar to Vanderbilt and Hawaii, it's tough to get, take a lot of big takeaways. Yeah. But Tennessee was very efficient offensively. Which yeah, how is, they which operated the offense. Yeah, not a lot of penalties. They played clean. I even thought Hendon Hooker, who had great stats – was very efficient through the air, had over 200 yards uh, passing, had two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. I didn't think he was that great. I thought he was high Off on a number of passes uh, to the outside. That, that wasn't even good Hendon Hooker that we saw last night, and Tennessee was still able to roll. Uh, Anything stand out to you, Paul? Well, I, I don't understand Ball State's approach. Uh, you, you, you go trickery play. right out of the gate, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then they tough. go for it on some fourth downs. My you attitude if you're a lose, team though. like that, yeah, you have nothing to lose, but you want to stick around as long as you can. And the things they were doing, if you fail at yeah. them, you're done. Well, I mean, that, that, that game was over after two plays. It's kind of like seconds. there was an interception and a 23-yard touchdown. Do you want to lose plays. by 63-10 to 10 or 34-7? to 7? I, I mean, want that, to lose by 34-7. to 7. Yeah. But I mean, I, I – I don't know if you give yourself a chance to win in that, in that mindset, though. You have to. Those things go right. Are they giving themselves a chance to win? They're not winning that game. I well, mean, it's, uh, look, it's you always bring up Georgia State. So, I mean, well, Tennessee yes. was woefully underprepared for the Georgia State game. They did everything wrong, and but, I think to win a game like that, you need the the the, the, the team that's got Georgia, the big advantage. I think, to, I but think Georgia State didn't come in with a pro style offense. Yeah. Trying, like I think right? Paul, like, it's, it's less about. Um, 
you're not going to win. Whenever I see a game like that on any decent team schedule, the first thing I look at is do they have a mobile quarterback? And if they have a passing oh. quarterback that is stationary, <laughs> yeah. it's over. Yeah. Because Georgia State beat Tennessee with a running back playing quarterback, right. basically, and they ran a very different offense that they could not figure out. Um, but you go to games, let's, for, and this, this applies to every small school going in to play a big opponent this weekend. It's less about the final score with your team and more about the mentality and I, I'm with you, Paul. It was a very bad trick play, and Tennessee yeah. wasn't fooled at all. They didn't execute it. But <laughs> the, the thought is, hey, guys, we're going to go in there and have fun. We're going to roll our sleeves up and, you know, unbutton our collars on the sideline <laughs> and just let it rip. And we're going to have, we're going to go for it on fourth down. And we're going to, I mean, that's what it is. It's it's your a signal to your kids that we didn't come down here to lay up. But in in doing so, you're laying up. <laughs> I know <laughs> you're that there are away. periodically games you know the the hit rate obviously for me is nowhere near close enough to make it worthwhile i had it in the rundown the other day and we didn't get to it it's been 33 years since the appalachian state michigan game 15 no 15 15 years 2007 yeah sorry 15 years still a long time since the patron saint of the up the of the upset of that kind of game that was by the way the first game on the big 10 network yeah, I that remember that. That kicked off the Big Ten Network. Yeah, that was a gift from the gods. Off, off of the, off of the black. Well, not great for the Big no, Ten, no, but, but yeah, good yeah. for the <laughs> yeah. people. You know what's crazy the, is wishing they had seen that game. Yeah. So uh, just looking at some of the lines, Tennessee ended up a thirty-six and a half point favorite last night over Ball State. They Michigan was a thirty-three or thirty-four point favorite in that game over App State and lost. But that's not the biggest point spread outright winner. Ever. And I believe Davey can look this up and fact check me on this. It's a Jim Harbaugh coach Stanford team. They were a 41 point underdog at USC and won when Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford, early on his tenure at Stanford, when Stanford was terrible. And he took over that job and they won, I think, as I I believe it was something like a 41 or 42 point underdog. Road dog. 41 41. Yeah. USC led 9 0. Yep. And that was. But then Stanford won. They fired up the Google 50, machine quicker, uh, came back quicker than David could points. find it. So that's good. That's 41 points. I mean, it's hard to get a but 41. But crazy? It's point, hard right? to find Vandy as a 41-point underdog in the SEC. But it's funny. We, right? we yeah. App State is the example of the ultimate football Cinderella. Yeah. But the ultimate football Cinderella was a conference <laughs> opponent. Yeah. Yeah. It was two <laughs> conference teams. It was a Pac-10 game at the time. Back in 2007, That's and crazy. Jim Harbaugh coached it. A couple of questions going into the college football season as, as we really kick things off tomorrow. Will the ACC represent in the college football playoff? The, tw- the 12 team in 2024? No, this, this year. Is the ACC going to have a team in the no. playoff? No. no. No, not not in my playoff. And, and I like Clemson this year. I think Clemson's probably, though, a two-loss team that's on the outside of a, a four-team playoff. And I, I, I think Clemson's the best team in the conference. I'm not, we're going to get into conference picks later. Yeah. I'm not buying the hype around NC State. Oh, I love them. And I think the hype starts to die tomorrow. And I'll explain <laughs> in my top ten games, my top ten matchups of the weekend, a game that no one is even talking about right excellent, now. Excellent tease. Um, Stay tuned. What programs, if we could just wave a magic wand and say, this program matters in 2022, what would you point to? 
I would put Tennessee in that area. I, going back to a previous conversation where we need, if you're if you're tired of Alabama and Georgia, they're not going anywhere. Is A and M too easy an answer? They already Florida, LSU, A and M. You need them to rise to the level of Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, you're not waiting on the backslide, right? A and M's my first answer because we've heard for a couple of years now about their phenomenal yep. recruiting, yep. and I need that phenomenal recruiting to matter and to translate to in some way, shape, or form to them pressing Alabama and Georgia for well, a, for SEC I, supremacy. But see, I, I think Tennessee – I can make an argument for Tennessee even more than that because they play Georgia and Alabama this year. Right, so right? They, got, they, can, they can measure But they can really head. mix things up a bit. So I'm going to go with two answers here. Michigan is one because if Jim Harbaugh can come close to replicating what he did a year ago or even – you know, fingers crossed for Wolverine fans, knock off Ohio State again and win the Big Ten again, Yeah, that is threatening the Big Ten power. That is threatening the power balance in the Big Ten where now you have two major players year in, year out with Michigan and Ohio State if he's able to do that. The second one I'm going to point to is Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. They host Alabama this year. This great experiment of turn over the entire roster and bring in a bunch of top-level transfers – as one-year loners, yeah, we're going to see if that works this year. And A and M's a good one to challenge Alabama in the SEC West. It's time for them. I, I'm going to put I'm putting Ole Miss in that category too. But no, like the expectations at Ole Miss are different than what we're expecting well, at A and M. Here's what I mean by you know I think well, you framed it as more of a long yeah the magic thing. wand. I think you framed it as some you know a college football program that matters yeah. in 2022. That is a major factor. I think it matters for Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin and what he's trying to do there and this system of transfers coming in and I think he's going to continue doing this. It matters if they do well and if they could upset Alabama obviously because it's a template. For other programs, maybe not traditionally excellent in college football like an Ole Miss. You know, Davey uh, interjects on the Stanford spread. Okay. As it relates to Power 5 teams, Chad's correct about Stanford. They were plus 40 and a half. But biggest ever is Howard plus 45 and a half against UNLV in 2017. Wow. Howard, Howard won 43-40. Wow. How in the world was UNLV <laughs> – I don't know what UNLV was in 2017, but I'm like, who would? I mean, that's a, that's Ve- a weird game. That's too. coming out of Isn't Vegas, it? right? UNLV. So Howard. Vegas favored UNLV. I mean, I smell a rat. Vegas favored oh. UNLV by 45, and, and they lost half. outright. Lost outright. Someone by got rich. Vehicle. Someone got rich that day. I, I. That's recent, and none of us even thought about. It. Yeah. Well, because it's UNLV and Howard. Still, though, yeah. I mean, that's a massive, massive. Good, good find by Davey. Uh, Chad, so you, you say Michigan. I think Michigan. we see a backslide. I do, too. From Michigan. They lost a ton of talent to the NFL. And, I, and I'm not – it's not like Georgia where we don't ask the question, is Georgia going to re- – yes, they reload. I don't see the same – I don't get the same vibe – in Ann Arbor. And I understand the quarterback thing, Chad. You were, you were yeah. praising it as a NIL protection, transfer protection, all that stuff. If, you're, if you don't theory. have a clear-cut quarterback right now, that concerns me. I don't, 
I say that. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is thinking about that. It's a side benefit. <laughs> yeah, it's just a benefit for others that could see that. Maybe I don't, go that I don't like it at all. As a I don't think he knows who he program. wants to start. I mean, I think he's legitimately You don't know by torn. now, I don't like your – And, you know, he's going to give both guys – it's an interesting way to do it. I don't like it against it. CJ Stroud. We got two bad opponents to start the season in Colorado State and Hawaii. Go out there and have fun and light it up, and I'll examine both of you in your individual games against bad opponents. I think he was very fortunate, and everything lined up for him last year. Finally, when he was do, 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 and everything lined up. And I think they, to me, under him, are a program that's going to have that every once in a while, not a program that's figured it out and is back. They they were solid, though, like very sound um, fundamentals, like, Michigan did not beat themselves. Yeah, right. And, and that's that's their recipe this year. Also, but it, it, there, it, there's they lost a, the ultimate, a bunch of players. I mean, I, the ultimate team that matters this year to me is Utah. Yeah, because Utah, we had this discussion, but I think Utah could emerge as sort of a Cinderella party interrupter of major college football power. Well, they matter so, if they get in and win a game. If they get in and they lose, like everybody else gets in and yes, loses, yeah. then. It's kind of like but also, just another, a better Cincinnati. They're not wanted by the Big Ten. So it's Washington and Oregon now that's rumored to go. So Utah could emerge as the power of the Pac-12. The, yeah. As weird as that sounds. And the best team that doesn't get and, taken. You know, you could fall into a Clemson niche. Clemson's dominated the ACC, and they find themselves in the playoff almost every year because they win the ACC every year. Well, is there a world where the Pac-12 remains relevant enough after losing these teams? Where the winner of the Pac-12? In a 12-team playoff, yes. They're going to be in the playoff. playoff, It doesn't matter. They're getting in the playoffs whether they win a conference or if they're the seventh team. There's no bigger game. Again, spoiling my top ten list. (laughs) There's no bigger moment for a program, bigger game, more influential outcome on the rest of the season than tomorrow night. Is that 6 Central? That is 6 p.m. Yep, 6 Central on ESPN. So just a rundown of the top games. Oregon, Georgia, that is a 3.30 kickoff on ABC. Cincinnati, Arkansas will be on ESPN at the same exact time. Notre Dame, Ohio State is at 7.30. 3.30 Eastern time is going to be a tough time to find a game you want to stick with because there's a bunch of good ones on right in that window that you're going to want to be going back and forth between. I know where you're going with NC State. I, I have this listed. Noon kickoff Eastern on ESPN. NC State is at yeah. East Carolina. East uh, Carolina is no pushover. They're ever. not. No. This is an interesting matchup because... Gardner Minshew. <laughs> the fighting Gardner Minshews. They're an 11.5 point underdog, and they're hosting NC State. And it, week one, it's just kind of a... You have all off-season to prepare for this moment, and you're kicking things off in your home stadium against the ACC opponent with a chance to plant your flag. So there's a couple of uh, North Carolina schools on the road in North Carolina against group of five schools. North Carolina plays at Appalachian State tomorrow in Boone, North Carolina also. Appy State's a a one-and-a-half point favorite at home in that game over North Carolina. So North Carolina's on the road in state, NC State on the road at ECU. I think that's very cool because those programs don't have to do that, but they're also going to a smaller program in their state with, guys, everything to lose. Right. Everything to lose. You've got nothing to lose if you're East Carolina or you're Appalachian State in this game, and it is, it is the world to them. 
if well, they could knock off the big ACC schools from their state. NC State, you know, they're ticked off because they couldn't win 10 games last year because UCLA bowed out in the bowl game. And so they didn't play. And you have a situation where they are now the highest they, – they've achieved the highest preseason ranking for their program, their 13, since 1975. There are now expectations with them to not just be in the mix – beat Clemson again like they did last year, and represent the ACC. So going on the road with all of this discussion about how good their defense is going to be, they're returning a, a, a very good quarterback in Leary, and they're mixing it up at wide receiver and tight end. This is, um, this is going to tell me a lot about the Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. I mean, this it, is – They should win this game. This could charge but there up is, the hype machine around them or completely I mean, flatten their tire right out of the There's something gates. to be said about a program who doesn't have big-time expectations that now has them. They've been talking about it all offseason, and now it's time to go and show out. Yeah, they can't lose that game. No. It, it would t- completely deflate the balloon. Another and then, Carolina – sh- you're, you're right. They can't – they shouldn't, like – they're a very talented team. Another Carolina matchup. North Carolina's at App State. We mentioned yeah. App State yeah. earlier. Darren Gant, who used to write for uh, – he covered the, the Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. Then he was at Pro Football Talk. Now he writes for the Panthers. He's a big App State guy, and he tweeted this the other day. I thought this was pretty good. It's my favorite college football tweet so far of this weekend. Except for the next 36 hours, this account is dedicated to the finest football program in both Carolinas. That's just science based on victories over the following Carolinas recently. South, North, East, Western, Coastal. Look on our works, ye Carolinas, and despair. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, by the way, another geography thing. We talked about 77 miles separating West Virginia's campus and Pitts. I didn't realize NC State and East Carolina were only 80 miles apart. I didn't realize that either. I thought East Carolina was closer to the coast and, you know, being in Raleigh, further away in the middle, and there was more distance between the two. But only 83 miles separates two campuses. I'm going to Raleigh in the new year to see Mr. Springsteen. Hit us up on social media at Outkick360. Coming up, our preseason predictions for all of the Power 5 conferences, what we expect to happen, and then our predictions for the college football playoff. That's next on Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It is our college football kickoff special on OutKick 360. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody in Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Guys, it's, uh, it's time to make our predictions. Conference by conference in the Power Five, and then we'll lead up to the college football playoff. But let's start by just going conference by conference and why we believe each team will win outright. Starting with the ACC. I'm taking NC State. 
their non-conference, we mentioned ECU, Charleston Southern, and Texas Tech, as well as UConn. That's the NC State non-conference. They're going to travel to Clemson on October the 1st, and then they're at North Carolina in November, Thanksgiving. But they'll get Wake Forest at home. That's coming up on November the 5th. And I think they have the key matchups at their home stadium. Dave Doran has preached about his team having a lot to prove. He believes that they have a 10-win team last year. They didn't get it. They're back to prove a point this year. And Devin Leary, 35 touchdowns to just five interceptions, pocket passer, over 300 yards in six games last year throwing the football. Drake Thomas can play everywhere in their offense. Patrick Wilson can stay healthy if, if he's there at linebacker. Solid defender. Their defense carved up in a couple of games. Losses to Miami and Wake Forest a year ago. But they lost five starters throughout last season due to injury. So I think that plays a factor in how we view those losses for NC State a year ago. I think they're very good. They return a ton of guys. I'm taking them to win the ACC. Um, I thought long and hard about picking Pitt to repeat in a surprise in the ACC because I think people are sleeping on Pitt a bit. They look great. The talent, yes, Kenny Pickett's gone and Jordan Addison's gone, but they returned almost everyone else from last year's team, and they added a five-star quarterback in Keaton Slovis from USC. Um, But I'm going to go with Clemson. As unpopular as that may be, uh, defense travels. And I think they're going to have a dominating defense in the ACC. And I look at their conference schedule. If we're talking about conference championships, they start with Georgia Tech on Labor Day night on the road. They play at Wake Forest, but we don't know if Sam Hartman's even going to be playing at that point early in the season. They get NC State at home, which I think is a huge advantage head-to-head for two teams vying for a conference championship at Boston College, at Florida State, Syracuse at home, at Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami. I think Clemson, even with all the transition, with both coordinators leaving for another job, Brian Breesey, other guys of that defense, they're stacked on that side of the football. I think DJ Uungalale steps up just enough offensively to put them over the hump. They weren't that far off a year ago. The offense was terrible yeah. most of the season, but they were 9-3. and three. Win one more game, and they're probably going to win the ACC. I think they get that done this year. I was uh, leaning Pitt. Uh, glad I didn't take Pitt because uh, I didn't think Slovis was, was great last night. He took five sacks, and I didn't like the way he took them. Uh, it just looked like a guy on those plays that wasn't a big-time performer. Um, and so I took NC State. I don't really like NC State that much, though, and I, I don't really like this conference that much. But Larry, uh, you know, coming off of a, uh, of an injury, right, he had a broken leg in 2020, so he didn't really have, uh, you know, I'm giving him the second-year bounce back. Um, Hutton, uh, uh, you like him more than I like I him. Do. But the guy had 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. I really like those numbers. And based on that and not liking the conference that much and maybe turned off by Clemson being a defensive team for some reason in a way that I'm not turned off by Georgia, so I understand there's some yeah. hypocrisy there. I took NC State. 
if the running backs can grind out some yards for NC State and the defense stays healthy, they're set. They get a lot of guys back just based on the bonus COVID year this year. Well, let's also, and I picked Clemson, so I'm kind of going against my own point here. But, Paul, let's not put Clemson's offense and Georgia's offense in the same category. Georgia was very good on offense a year yeah. ago. Their defense was otherworldly good, but their offense was outstanding yeah, uh, yeah. most I, of the season, I should, too. I should have Clemson is all defense, no offense a yeah, year ago. Awful. They just need a little bit more offense this season. I think they're going to get it. Well, what I do is I see everybody just put Clemson in the top four. By default, I resent that. I, I, I lash out at it. In the Big Ten, Ohio State, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Across I, the board? I, yeah. I, I, I said it earlier when you were asking a team that could matter. I mean, can Michigan, you know, who's got some guys coming back that won it last year, can they shock every – I don't think so. It's Ohio State's conference. We're going to start to see that tomorrow night when they destroy Notre Dame. Travion Henderson in the backfield. You have Njigba, wide receiver, C.J. Stroud at quarterback. I mean – this they, makes Tyler on our staff very happy. They have eight home games in what is the 100th anniversary of Ohio Stadium this year. They uh, Jim Knowles the is running the 20th anniversary defense. of the 2002 National Championship, as okay. Bobby Carpenter yeah. told us also, the big celebration tonight. Top five in sacks and interceptions last season. However, they were ninth in points allowed. So Jim Knowles is in from Oklahoma State. I think that makes a world of difference. Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver. Mayan Williams is also in the backfield. They're stacked. They're stacked. They, they are loaded. I mean, they've got three guys that are, I think, top seven in the odds for uh, Heisman, or maybe top ten. That's remarkable. <laughs> they've yeah. got an absolute three-headed monster on offense. And C.J. Stroud is going to get a lot of talk as possible number one overall pick in next year's draft. To the Big 12. Guys, I'm taking Oklahoma. Brent Venables is head coach. Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. Marvin Mims is a big play guy on the outside. Eric Gray's at running back. Defense should be fine. Jeff Lebby is now there. I A lot of movement up front defensively for Oklahoma. I, I'm taking the Sooners to win the conference in a surprise. Uh, from a talent standpoint... Um, I, I agree with you on, on Oklahoma, and I have a hard time not picking them, but I'm not going to pick them uh, because there's something there's something funky about this transition to Venables that I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I don't like it so far. Uh, but we'll find out as the season goes along. I still think they're going to be very good with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. I'm going Baylor. Uh, look, I, I think that um, uh, Dave Aranda is going to have this thing rolling. At Baylor, he he is. I've always been a huge Dave Aranda fan. Great, great defensive mind, and he has is building a program there at Baylor that's going to last. Uh, so I I like Baylor this season, uh, but again I, I I do not fault you for the Oklahoma pick because I'm right there with you on their talent. I'm with you on Baylor. Twelve and two last year, beat uh, Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. I like Aranda. Um, I don't know about the quarterback. But he's going to be behind a good line. They've got good lines on both sides. They lost two really good safeties in Woods and Petrie. And they've got a tough schedule. Utah, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas. But um, I just have a feel about them. And I, I'm not big into transitional coaching situations, even if they, they've got talent behind them. And, and some of that talent went to Southern California. Um. 
something crazy on Oklahoma. I think they could get better quarterback play out of Dylan Gabriel than Caleb Williams last year. It's possible. I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, go look up his stat line when he was at, at UCF. With Heifel. Yeah, with Josh Heifel. He's a terrific quarterback. So, uh, I don't think – you know, is there a talent drop-off? Maybe. I think Caleb Williams is more talented. But from a, uh experience and what – Dylan Gabriel can bring to the table. Is there going to be a, a legitimate drop-off at quarterback this year at Oklahoma? Maybe not. He may be every bit as good. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Utah. Cam Rising at quarterback. They are very good on the offensive line. We'll see that on display against Florida. I Defense is replacing Devin Lloyd. Other than that, I have no reservations about Utah. Coaching, quarterback, playmaker, on the outside, plus uh, their run game, offensive line, and defensive line. To me, that wins games up front. It's an SEC mentality in a weird way at Utah this year based on just the upperclassmen and and how they're coached. I, I, To me, this is a lock. It is going to be a big night in Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City on October 15th when my pick for Pac-12 okay. champion visits Utah. It's SC. Uh, I think that Lincoln Riley is going to make the immediate splash. He made they won the immediate, four games last he year. He made the immediate splash when he took the job and left Oklahoma. Uh, he made the immediate splash when he started raiding Oklahoma talent and talent from across the country, like Jordan Addison, the Belinda Coffa yeah. winner. Yeah. Last year is the best receiver in America. You pair him with Caleb Williams, that offense is going to take off in year one. Think about you mentioned Josh Heupel. Look what Josh Heupel did with Jeremy Pruitt's offense in year one with a lot of the same guys in a different system. Lincoln Riley is taking, I believe, now far better talent coming into USC with his offense. That offense is going to be light years better than anything we saw with Clay Helton. I think USC surprises in year one and wins the conference. You guys know I'm big on the Utah train. I, I like you them love the in, in the trenches, and I've got them going to college football playoffs where I'm praying for them to be the breakthrough team that, that wins a semifinal, gets to a final. I don't know if that's happening, but I think they're winning the Pac-12. I think they maybe they're beating SC twice. Maybe they're beating, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're beating the second-best team only once in, in, the, in the finals and, and having lost to that team in, in the uh, regular season. Yeah, keep in mind, Pac-12, no divisions as far as how they're yeah. going to match up the – the conference championship game. Number one versus number two is how they will determine that. So the, the loser of the Utah-USC game, for example, right. while that's a big game, they could, they could meet it. again for the conference championship. SEC is Alabama. They had a rebuilding year, according to Nick Saban. Ultimately, it's about the cut down on the penalties, cut down on the self-inflicted issues that the Crimson Tide had a year ago. The delay of games coming out of a timeout. Weird things that we normally didn't see. Maybe you see it in September, but not November. And Alabama was very consistent in being inconsistent in that area. I don't think Saban lets that happen again. I don't think he does either. I, I, th- I think Alabama's going to be great this year. I think it's a no-brainer that it should be Alabama and Georgia playing in Atlanta for the SEC championship. Give me the Bulldogs. Hutton, you've been asking all offseason not to sleep on your guy Stetson Bennett at quarterback and what he accomplished last year coming back as a national championship winning quarterback. 
I think Georgia is going to be better on offense this season. I think the defense is going to be slightly worse. I said someone was joking. You know, what's it like to go from all-time greatest defense to uh, just top ten nationally? Just Just top ten nationally for sure now for Georgia this year. Um, I think Georgia wins the SEC. Note, I'm saying they win the SEC. This is not my pick for winning it all, but Georgia's going to win the SEC over Alabama. Alabama's going to win the SEC. Hopefully then they don't win the national championship, but – I think all that stuff you're talking about gets tightened up, and I think they're in fewer of those games that feel risky at the end. Maybe they get picked off once, uh, like the A&M game last year, but that's not enough to do them in. College football playoff, I have Ohio State as the number one seed, Alabama two, Georgia three, and Utah four. So I have both representatives in the SEC championship getting in based on the final record, Ohio State being the cream of the crop? Um, I, uh, I did not rank them one through four, but uh, I will tell you my four teams, and it's going to be a preview of what's to come, which is the two-party system, which is Big Ten and SEC. It's an all-Big Ten and SEC final four. Okay. I think it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan in the, fi- in the, in the top four at the end of the year. And I am going with – are we going with our champion yet or just the four right now? Just the four. Okay. Paul, go ahead. I had Ohio State first uh, against Utah fourth, Bama second against Georgia third. I have Ohio and State Despite beating. they don't want those two teams to play each other. Yeah. And it will be an immediate rematch at SEC championship game. I've got Ohio State beating Alabama for the national championship. I've got Ohio State beating Alabama for the national championship. I think they're great. I mean, I – I can't wait to watch that game. You guys, bring you guys, it. You guys are boring. Uh, you know what's even more boring than that? A rematch Utah. of last year's <laughs> national championship game. I, I have got the reverse okay. happening this year. I've got Georgia beating Alabama and Atlanta for the SEC, and Alabama getting vengeance in the national championship game and beating Georgia for the national championship. Just the reverse of last season. And this will be depressing to every. It should be. It should be depressing to every SEC fan. Seeing Alabama and Georgia do this, but they'll just continue to, you know, try and never minding the rest of college football fans who will be even more depressed. Yep. So if not in the SEC, if it's not Alabama and Georgia, who would we put as the the team that could represent the the SEC in the college football playoff and the four team playoff? Texas A and M, I would say, just over Arkansas, just because of talent. I would put Arkansas in a mix, probably right below A&M. Um, I, the A&M quarterback deal, uh, Haynes King was the starter last year. For two so games, yeah. yeah. Jimbo Fisher anointed him the guy, and then he got hurt, and then there was uncertainty this offseason, and he anointed him the guy again. So I want to give Haynes King a chance. Um, but I, it's a little bit shaky with the quarterback situation at A&M, but if I had to pick one team, it's, it's them. That could be the outsider. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it per se, but I think people are staying too much in line with last year's results and putting everybody like, well, since they got to a certain level last year, they're going to rise to a certain level next year. So I'm throwing a curveball, and I'm going to have Tennessee jump people. I mean, if so if you're trying to find another team to represent the East, I like the Vols as that pick. Yeah, Based on the style and knowing that – their defense come, uh, can they get a can they get three extra stops a game? That's yeah, what they. they you, yes. If they get that, they're taking it up a notch. 
not overly encouraging that they didn't get to Ball State's quarterback last night at all. Yeah. Uh, but they played good defense, you know, in the game against a bad offense. But, again, not much you can take away from that, that tune-up game. We'll take a lot more away from Pitt and how they play against their offense. Uh, but I, I'm with you. Slow is sackable, I'll I, say that. I think Tennessee is set up now yep. both they're from a talent standpoint and a system standpoint that they're going to surprise someone eventually, right? No, no one They're going to catch someone with that speed. No one doubts Tennessee's offense. No. What is keeping them out of the hierarchy of Kentucky, Kentucky's defense is consistent. You know what they're going to get give you week in and week out other than Georgia. Like, Georgia's on a different shelf. But, and that's what keeps people from voting Tennessee in this pick for who could represent the East. But here's why I like Tennessee over Kentucky, and it's it's what we saw a lot last year with Kentucky, and the opposite with Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker had 31 touchdowns and three interceptions. He yeah. did not throw a pick last and night. Will so Levis. He's off to a good start. Will Levis lost some games for Kentucky. No doubt. When they lost, he was bad. He was inconsistent. His accuracy was off. Hooker was making, far more consistent. He was making – bad decisions, I think that's going to cost Kentucky a couple times I mean, that, this year. I and agree. I don't, I, all I can go by is what I've seen from Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. But he was a different player at Virginia Tech, not nearly as good. But what I've seen at Tennessee is he is a guy that's not going to go into a game and get them beat well, by throwing it to the wrong spot. But my point is their defense will get them beat. Could. Tennessee was a seven-win team last year. Kentucky won ten with Will Levis throwing picks. Yeah. Their defense was solid. Yeah. Tennessee that, beat Kentucky last year too. So I, I, again, I, I think you know Tennessee has to play Alabama. So that's that's one loss. Also, Kentucky doesn't. It's hard to say. Whatever, ten to seven wins. Kentucky though is in today's college football. If I had to pick, I want the offense that scores a ton of points as opposed to a consistent defense. Now Tennessee's just got to be okay on defense. I think they can be okay on defense. That's all they have to be. I don't know if they can. It's they also are an slow offensive in the system. secondary. That's the problem. It's also an offensive system that intentionally hangs your defense out to yeah. dry. Well, that's fair, too. <laughs> so yeah. it's part of the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's a little give and take. Yeah, they're faking injuries so they can give their defense a breather on extra points. What was it, uh, which I thought was a little <laughs> bit crazy but kind of interesting? Clay, Clay told us yesterday, he said, he would, I would almost take the same offensive philosophy on defense and just do a lot of blitzes. And go oh, for broke. Yeah, yeah. Like, try to get a sack, and that's kind of what they do because they're big on tackle get the for ball, loss. Yeah. Sack, turnover, but if you get up a touchdown, you're just getting it back and scoring again quick anyways. What? Who's the high school coach out of Arkansas that he wanted that one punt. onside kick recovery? If he got that, his chances of winning went up like well, 46% versus just out, out wrong, of the game. That dude went to Presbyterian. Right, and then quit. And then and quit. quit. Yeah, like a year in, but he was trying the same system there. Yeah, he's got to get back in it at some level. Yeah, we need that guy. We need him in our lives. <laughs> Coming up. There are details out with the college football playoff expansion, which could happen as early as 2024. Details on that is next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
You guys ready for some details on the expanded college football playoff, which is coming to, I think, 2024. Yes, right. It's, it's gonna. It's got to happen 2024. by 2026, but as early as possible. The conference commissioners will determine when it's going to be implemented. Interesting notes: the four highest-ranked conference champs get a buy. So, as I read this, that means Notre Dame, no matter if they're ranked top four, they do not get a buy in the college football playoff. It clearly says conference champs, right? Yeah. Yes. That what, is an incentive to join a conference. Yes. What you lose there in those uh, – look, you're playing one less game. A buy is always a favorable situation, though we know from NFL, which is where we see buys, it doesn't always pay yeah. off. But also what you're losing is the home game situation there, which is a cool niche. But the fifth team gets a home game and the fourth team gets a week off. Here's, here's the interesting note. So 5 through 12, after you get the top four conference champs with the bye, 5 through 12, you will play the first round games at the Better Seeds Stadium or which I love. a site of that school's choosing. So... So, so uh, LSU you, could go to New Orleans yeah. if they want. Or Texas could go to Jerry World. Or That's Georgia could play in Atlanta yeah, if they wanted. Or, Depending I mean, on – so so it's where LSU you want your Atlanta. fans, how big like, a fan base you want, right? and what's the money so what, c- uh, component of those tickets yeah. for the Bama home game. could play at Legion Field. <laughs> well, what, so what this is is um, – yeah, Legion. <laughs> We're going to play the playoff game. Guys, i got an announcement to make. We're going to go to a decrepit old stadium and play there instead. Twelve days must pass between first round and conference title games. So you have December 4th, right? Like SEC championship yep. is around the, the first Saturday in December. in December. So you first round of the playoff is going to take place the week before Christmas as my math I, works I, out. I love that. So the third Saturday of December. That yeah. right now is a pretty, you know, it, it, there's no college football really to speak of. There's no bowl games until the next week, but that week before Christmas would be kind of a desert time for the sport, and then you add playoff games to that leading into Christmas, then having things after Christmas. That also is typically cool. a Saturday about when the NFL starts playing Saturday games. Yes. Am I not mistaken? Yep. So you got a little arm wrestling there. Yep. Um, interesting note on Notre Dame. They, they agreed to these terms because – they want to host the game, the opening round game. They'd rather play an extra game than get a bye. Well, they also know uh, they've been around fifth a lot. That's fair. They're, I mean, that they're also acknowledging we're not a conference champion, and if we're going to expand to 12 instead of 16, this is how it's going to be. Yeah, and it is. Home playoff game there would be awesome. It, it definitely doesn't benefit Notre Dame, but it's also, even for Notre Dame, like – it's hard to play that game of do we join a conference just so on if the off good chance enough, we we're good enough to win that great conference we're joining we get a buy. that we get a bye instead of having to play an extra playoff game? It's an incentive, but it's not a massive incentive. Yeah, it's, it wouldn't be a reason to like ditch your contract with NBC and move on to the Big Ten or SEC right now. No, the $25 million more TV dollars is more yes. of a reason. First-round games will not have title or presenting sponsors. So it's not like uh, – the, the Tostitos first round. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're not it, turning them into a bowl. Existing venue signage will remain in place. So it's just, you know, 
It's whatever. If Alabama's it's hosting, game. it's whatever yeah, they would normally a, have. It's a December game at a home And the stadium. college football playoff controls the video first boards. Round. There you go. It's like the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, I it's title at a first round, you know, first round playoff. Game. There's no reason to give it some fancy title. Just don't make it confusing. Well, no, don't I could have seen a, them making it a playoff, a uh, 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 bowl game, turning yeah, a bowl but game the bowl into bowl games it. even being like, you know, the when bowl the bowl games, games are, are also yeah. the playoff game, but it's got the sponsor. Yeah. It's, it's the college football playoff, which is a very simple, first easy round. name. First round. This also feels like you a – You have to see next to their number. Doesn't it feel like next an agreement name. between the conferences who hate ESPN and ESPN? ESPN would sell the crap out of that and do it the presenting thing and – well, ESPN's going to sell the crap out of the spots. No, but I'm, I'm saying like, uh, yeah, it tones it down it. a little. To your point, it, like, yeah. it if there is a PlayStation a Fiesta Bowl, ESPN is touting PS5 for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's kind of it takes them out of it corporate wise. I mean, they're they're I, controlling which I, it. I prefer. I don't know. I'm trying to read too it, much into it. it down maybe. A bit. Well, it's it also. Um, but those I, bowls, I, we probably like don't like it. We're gonna. We still. What college football is lacking is clear direction at the top of the sport and clear organization with the sport. That's why the NFL thrives, because they have a clear organization and clear leadership. College football is just a bunch of competing interests. It's the Big Ten looking out for themselves, the SEC, the Pac-12, the ACC, uh, ESPN looking out for themselves versus CBS. There's no coordination on it, right? It's it really is the wild, wild west. This coordinates and twelve. The best, the best man or the you know the richest man wins. So, I just, just final thing, subject to reach an agreement with bowls, the four highest ranked conference champs would be assigned to quarterfinal bowls on selection day and ranking order. So that means like Pac-12 would be assigned to the Rose Bowl. Big Ten champ, if they're ranked three ahead of the Pac-12, they would be assigned to the Rose Bowl. So it still ties in based on. That's quarterfinal what you've done in your history and where you're assigned. That means the Rose Bowl is moving. Brent Hubbs joins us next on Outkick 360.